Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is chilling. Truth. And that's what I decided I'm going to murder my mother. And I didn't feel that I had to face what I had done ever. He killed 33 times. I'm the king, man. I decide who does what and where they do it at. Okay, so next time you see me, I will kill you. Sorry, say your segue again. I didn't. I didn't catch it. I was fixing the audio. Say your segue again. Oh, uh, so speaking of. Aerosmith and Tom Hanks uh, and Scarves. Uh, what are we talking about this week? None of those things have to do with this episode, but I do appreciate the attempt on segueing <laughs> us into the episode. Yeah. First off, I do want, I do want to apologize for last week. We didn't have an episode. I started going to schools to be a software developer because nobody wants to pledge to our Patreon, so we're not making any money. So I got to get a good job. Uh, a little bit of a guilt trip there. So yeah, so we didn't have an episode last week because I've been doing projects and a lot of work for that. And it's been hard to do research, even though I'm not working. But uh, we finally got to this. Uh, I finally got to be able to sit down and do some research. So today we're going to be talking about the Texas killing fields. So welcome to the chilling truth. I am Corey. I'm looking at Johnny laying on my desk because it's dark in the room I'm in. And yeah, today we're going to be talking about the Texas killing fields. And I actually did a lot of this research. I don't know what about three, four years ago when we first started doing the show, uh, and we just never covered the episode. But yeah, I re- I started reading this book called Deliver Us. It's really good. Uh, a lot of fluff, though. I will say, it's a lot of unnecessary detail that's in the book that I don't think is completely necessary. But I'm no author, so I can't really be, you know, the judge. But anyway, it's called Deliver Us, and it is by Catherine Casey. Uh, it's a pretty good book. There's a lot of good information. She definitely did her homework on finding all this shit out. And so that's good. Sorry, I'm kind of rambling because I'm trying to get this audio just right. I feel like it's really low. You're good. You're spitting out uh, plenty of uh, true facts, good information. I'm, I'm definitely saying words. Those are, And they're informative words. They are. But anyway, so... Yeah, we're going to be talking about that today. And I guess it kind of has to do with your Aerosmith scarves deal because it's been dubbed the highway to hell so i mean acdc aerosmith they were popular around the same time right uh no this is uh the 70s early 70s man when was acdc a thing like the 80s 80s, 80s, 80s rock no like, i have yeah, no yeah, conception so, of musical time. Uh, they were they were they had a lot of songs about the prohibition when they were fighting for civil rights yeah they were like the highway to hell was really just about the highway to the prison when you get caught drinking yeah. in the street it was a metaphor for the Underground Railroad. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Highway to Hell was the road Jesus walked for the cross. They were, they yeah, were a yeah, BC yeah. band. ACBC. <laughs> yeah, it's about a, uh, you know, a pilgrimage through exactly. the Appalachian Mountains. So yeah. Anyway, no, yeah, today we're talking about the Texas Killing Fields. Now, the Texas Killing Fields was a dumping ground back in the early 70s. Over 30 bodies were found in this 25-mile piece of land bordering Calder Oil Field. Uh, All women and young girls were the victims here. So the Texas Killing Fields are a part of a 50-mile stretch of road that runs along I-45 between Houston and Galveston. And like I said, it's been dubbed the Highway to Hell. And man, I tried to sample ACDC and put that song in here. But then as I was doing it, I was like, this is inappropriate. And I don't think we need to do this. So I decided not to. Yeah, yeah, good, good, good call. Thank you. But... It's believed that it was not the work of one person. Now, that's going to be up for heavy debate as we get further into the episode and you see the extensive crimes that were committed. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's believed that this area of Houston had multiple murderers and serial killers dumping their bodies here. Uh, I kind of refer to this as, like, the Zodiac effect. No one else has ever called it that. I just think of it like that, as in the Zodiac was committing crimes and nobody knew who he was. So other people took this opportunity to be like, Hey, I can commit crimes and they'll probably blame it on the Zodiac. And if you want more info on that, go listen back to our Zodiac episodes that we did. Uh, so that, and again, back to Zodiac, this is an unsolved crime like Zodiac. So we'll just be going over the victims and the few suspects and you'll be left hanging. So if you're not into unsolved stuff, you know, just listen to 80% of this episode. So we get to listen and then you can turn it off as soon as you hit 80%. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, why don't we just do those plugs now? <laughs> oh yeah, I don't want to do the plugs at the beginning. I feel like that's weird. Uh, but that's yeah, I'm not, get, let's man. do it. Let's do it. Okay, we have a Patreon. Yeah. You can find us on Patreon. You can pledge uh, one dollar a month or five dollars a month, and 
support the show that way. We have two so far, so that's tight. Uh, we have T-shirts. Link is in our Instagram bio, which is at at Chilling Truth Podcast on Instagram, and I am at How the Dads Chill, and Johnny is at Johnny Sometimes on Instagram. So we'll see. Let's see if we get some followers. See if maybe the doing the plugs at the beginning is the trick. Uh, so yeah, let's drop into Galveston, 1971. Don't read this part. <laughs> Excuse me. Are you good over there? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Got a little choked up. All right. (laughs) Good to go. Good to go. All right. All right. Let's go. Uh, So I-45, for people that aren't familiar with it, it's actually an interstate highway. It links two of Texas's largest cities. It it stretches from Dallas to Houston. And one of those is Um, way better than the other. You know, I've only seen Houston from the 45. I've never stopped in Houston. Yeah, I've Dallas got a cousin sucks. that lives there. But... Oh, you're talking about Dallas. Yeah, the only good thing about Dallas is the in and out And guess what? Houston has an in and out now, too, so suck it. I, I wouldn't say the best thing about Dallas. Do you know how many people are okay, probably listening? Like, JFK what? was no. killed there. Cool, they have an X on the street. Let's move on. It's a pretty cool story, anyway. Um, <laughs> so Not like it was a big part of American history or anything. Yeah, yeah no deal. So, <laughs> no uh, I-40... I-45 goes right through Houston and becomes the Gulf Freeway. Um, and that, because, you know, Gulf of Mexico, if people don't know, and it takes you, uh, well, also it's a Gulf you... down there. It's not just because I mean, it could be named anything. It's just a Gulf. Well, yeah, but it's the Gulf of Mexico. So, yes, that is. Know. Yeah. It's conveniently the Gulf of Mexico. So, uh, but so the 45 turns into the Gulf Freeway, and then it takes you right to the Texas fil- uh, killing fields. I'm actually going to go, I think, maybe next weekend, because uh, I'm going to my mom's this weekend because it's Mother's Day and all. But I think next weekend I'm going to try to take a trip down to the Texas killing fields. I got some bodies to dump, so it would be pretty convenient. Two birds, one stone. Yeah, no, I, and I think, uh, I think it'd be cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. Are there are there like uh, like shrines or any kind of like uh, uh, I don't know I've never si- been down there that... I doubt it there's because they were dumped like near like these bayous and shit like they're basically like ditches almost uh, I did go to Dean Coral's house in Pasadena and uh, I got a lot of hate for that on Reddit people thought it was weird that I went and I'm like fuck you dude it makes sense to go it's dope yeah, I wouldn't say it's dope but it's definitely I mean, it's like going to a museum or like a, a historical landmark I think I mean it's just as yeah it's like going to a museum that you can't go inside of. Yeah, but, you know, stepping on the front steps of a house because where you a, know something went down, yeah, that's pretty cool. Because a family it. lives there, and I wonder if they know. I honestly want They have to know, right? Like, you have to disclose is that. Is that a law? I've never I've never bought a home, but is it a either. law? Like, they don't, I, I don't think they have to disclose that. I feel like they should. It should. They should do it. I feel like the average person would agree with you. Yeah. If, but if I don't, I don't think that's... If boys were tortured and killed in my home and I was buying it, I'd want to know. I'm surprised it wasn't leveled. Yeah, that's true. They usually demolish homes like that. Well, just because they're really rough for the community to look at. But so anyway, going back to the the end of the Gulf Freeway where it leads into the Texas killing fields, um, that is where the killing began. And this is in 1971. Uh, It was an unusual event that occurred on April 27th of 1971. It was a teenage girl sunbathing on the beach reported a white male approached her. Uh, forced her into his car and then drove her to the South Jetty. The, the South Jetty was a secluded area near the red and green beacons that marked the narrow entrance to the Gulf into Galveston Bay so boaters could see it. Can we just say, though, that Jetty sounds like a really cool slang for a jet ski? Um, yeah, I'm going out yeah, on maybe, the jetty. Maybe like, maybe like an Australian or like European term, like getting yeah. on the jetty. Yeah, that, make, that makes more sense. Yeah, everything's nicknamed <laughs> in Australia. Yeah, they got some pretty cool. Did you say Australia? Uh, maybe I don't know. Austra- Australia. I'm Australian. <laughs> you don't know right? if you said out. Australia. Australia. I don't Are you know. saying that you say Australia because you're not a local? Yeah, I'm saying I say Australia. Like I don't live there. What? If uh, I say Australia, they're gonna think I'm culturally appropriating. You're you're from there, yeah. Okay, yeah, and I'm uh, clearly not. So this unnamed girl was beaten, but somehow managed to escape her attacker. The report was in the Galveston County Daily News, but very few paid any attention to it, uh, to what at the time seemed like an isolated incident. And I think this is, there's no real proof that it was the killer, obviously, because the killer's never been caught. But we do see this constantly with serial killers and just killers in general, usually. They test the waters, you know, no pun intended, given we're in Galveston, but 
they might want to see what it's like to beat a woman up, you know, or they might want to see what it's like to rape a woman, and then they slowly escalate to murder, and then, I mean, this is honestly true among every single serial killer that we've ever talked about and ever existed, because no person, psychopath or not, is going to just wake up and go on a Ted Bundy sorority house style killing. You know, they're going to go little by it. They're going to escalate slowly. And with, I mean, obviously some killers, we see the escalation more clearly uh, than we do others, but you know. Well, it's case by case, but yeah, like you said, I think, uh, I think the, it takes time, you know, they got to get, yeah, the symptoms of a sociopath have, have, have been in existence for many years, probably since they're, young developing years but yeah like yeah you said, exactly it just escalates and then grows into this thing that they can no longer control well, you gotta like think ed too, kemper, like... How like how ed camper used it as a game yeah so he would just kind of see i'd pick up these girls but i'm gonna fight the urge i'm gonna see if i can beat myself wanting to do what i want to do and then a after spoiler a while alert he lost the fight of yeah yeah like if, yeah so, <laughs> so go back to that episode listen to ed kemper it's one of the ones we talk about the most just because it's such a the iconic. guy really knows how to fill a room too, because he's like gigantic. Yeah, and he's still alive. I mean, he lives in Berkeley. I so, think so. A, I don't know. Yeah, he I, should be. I, if he's still alive, I know where he is. He, he was in a, a Berkeley <laughs> like psych ward or, or, or a, a facility he a, where he was in a prison. I'm pretty sure. No, it was like more of a was it? like a rehab. He can't leave the premises. But well, thank remember, fuck the, remember they gave him a job. Like, I know this is turning into a fucking Ed Kemper. Episode, I but know, man. Every time they gave him a job, and then he, you know, he he did pe- people's paperwork and taxes and shit for him because he was really smart. He just, but he gradually Super grew smart, into this thing. Yeah. Um, oh, you're talking about when he was a kid. You're talking about when he was a child. I thought you meant now, currently. No, no. As an adult, he has a job in the facility that he's in. Either way, this is not an Ed Kemper episode. If you want to hear more no, about Ed not. Kemper, go way, 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 way back. Shit over there. It's, I, I said the same thing over there, so just go over there and listen. To the whole <laughs> we thing, had this so. exact conversation, but with exact, way worse audio. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it probably was now. I guess. Oh yeah, it's horrible. It's, God, I can't even listen to it myself. Nice. Well, so don't go listen to it. We don't need negative I, I don't reviews. Need that yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I, I I like negative reviews. All right. So on June seventeenth, thirteen-year-old Colette Wilson. Okay, so Wilson was standing at an intersection about two miles from her house. Uh, she was in a good mood. She had just had a great time at a band camp that she had attended. Uh, she was wearing a Mickey Mouse T-shirt and purple shorts, carrying a clarinet case, uh, and was one of ten children in the Wilson family. Her mother was on her way to pick her up, but Colette was only standing at the intersection for about six minutes before someone else picked her up before her mother got there. And it was not her father. But Colette's mother more than likely saw the killer's vehicle since Colette was only standing there for a short period of time, which, man, that's got to be rough to even think that maybe you saw this guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, 13 years old. I don't know. It's a kid. It's just got to be, yeah, it's it's a scary situation. Absolutely. So, So Claire, Colette's mother, had pulled up and then saw the car, uh, saw a car parked alongside of the road, and she could see a man inside, but no sign of Colette. She had, she had always taught Colette to go to a friend's house if she was concerned or impatient. So Claire hoped that uh, that was the case here. So she drove to the designated friend's home, but they had not seen her. Claire began to worry more, of course, um, and she drove back to the intersection, and the car that was there before was gone. Claire went home and found no sign of Colette there either. Uh, so, I mean, she was right there next to the vehicle with her daughter in it. Like, that's the I mean, last possibly, time she was close. Possibly the, the daughter was in yeah, the Yeah, I car. guess so. We, don't know, we don't know if it was the same car. Yeah, but, I, could, but very likely it could have been the guy. But, but then again, well, I don't know. You would think if he was taking a person or especially a child from a corner, he would take off right away like why would he hang out you know what i mean why would he stay nearby yeah or he kind of coaxed her in and wasn't trying to rush off he was just like maybe showing her some puppies in the back and it takes a minute yeah that's true puppies are tight i'd get in a car to see some puppies yeah not to victim or maybe maybe he's in the back of like what i don't even know if it says what kind of car she saw but no it just says car but it could be but if it was like a van or something with like a back to it like he could have been back there like tying her up or doing whatever before he leaves. Yeah, that's some toolbox killer shit right there. So, but regardless, the police weren't even taking this seriously. So they told Claire that Colette had probably run off uh, being a 13-year-old. Um, I guess the law 70s? enforcement usually... Yeah, I mean, yeah, people hitchhiked more and just kids were just kind of running around. But 
Claire and her husband began looking into Colette's friends and, uh, and basically to rule them out. That same afternoon, the neighbors banded together for a search, and one person found an unemployment pay stub at the intersection. Uh, Claire gave that to the police, and they threw it away. Fucking garbage, dude. But no, honestly, yeah. I think that kids not being at this sounds horrible, but kids not being as free anymore, I feel like might be a good thing because I feel like it's way less likely now for a child to just run away. I think I would focus more on preventative maintenance before I said it's okay to keep everybody sheltered up. Oh well, yeah, like, I mean, there, don't there's, I mean, you, you raise your kids to be aware and. You know, first of all, until your kid is a certain, I know this, the thing is she went to a camp, okay, and she got dropped off by the camp mm -hmm. until, until Claire shows up and picks her daughter up, the camp is responsible for every child. They should have stayed in their with possession. her. Until... There should have been an adult that recognized, like, I mean, even at schools, you can't just go pick up a random kid. You got to. There's a sign in. But this process. was the 70s, dude. This was a long time ago. Obviously, of course. But yeah, like you said, I mean, people are more trusting and maybe they didn't think it was a good idea. But that's why we have those policies in place today because, like, yeah, there's no reason that my 13 year old kid should be unsupervised uh, 75, 80% of their days. Like, you're a minor, you're still learning about the world, and shit can happen. You, like, no one could be around and you could kill yourself on accident. You know honestly, what I mean? So, honestly, though, the best thing I've read so many books on investigators that, cover, that, that work crimes against children and things like that. And honestly, what I've learned from those books is I think I've talked about this before. But the best thing you can do for your child to prevent them from either being coerced in a kidnapping or molested or any type of assault and like sexual assault is to raise a confident child with high self-esteem because it's much harder for a molester to convince a kid who's got a high self-esteem and a lot of confidence to like do shit. You know what I mean? Right, like, that's what I'm saying. Kid it's all like, about... Fuck off, dude. I don't need your shit. I don't need this fucking candy bar. Like, leave me alone. Right. But that starts with social and emotional training in the home. I mean, that's, yeah, no, that's, just, you know, the first five years of life should be nothing but safety precautions. And, and don't treat your kids like shit. Treat your kids plans. like little adults. They, they have feelings just like us. Well, you don't have to, you know, get weird with it. I'm going to go into uh, a rant. You better start talking. Oh, no, I know. Uh, <laughs> let's just get back to the... Let's, just get, let's back. get back to the murder of these young girls, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so okay, uh, two days later, the go. police started... <laughs> I'll try to remember the last thing I said. Yeah, so, no, two no. days later, the police started treating the case as an abduction. So, moving forward, one of the biggest things that hindered the police investigation was that they had no experience investigating kidnappings. Perfect. I love it. It's just like getting a president who's never been in politics. Right. It so always Claire, goes great. Yeah, well, uh, let's not go there. So Claire and Tom. Yes, I uh, see the typo. You don't need to hide. Will, Will, Will Wilson. Uh, <laughs> Fucking asshole. So Jesus, his, his parents, um, they, they raised $10,000 and offered it as a reward for the return of Colette. So Texas Rangers got involved. Claire the baseball team? and Tom even hired a private investigator to, to help them in their search. Well, that's why they never found her. They hired a baseball team to find her. That seems stupid. Jeez. <laughs> on Sunday, I July promise you I'll be making that joke again in the future on this episode. <laughs> can't wait. Can't wait. I love on it. Sunday, July 11th in 1972, Bernadette Jones and her family attended Sunday mass at Holy Rosary after mass. Uh, Brenda stayed to teach Sunday school. And then after that, Brenda and her family gathered and ate dinner. Uh, that's when Brenda told her mother, Evelyn, she wanted to go to the hospital to visit her aunt who had fallen and broken her leg. Uh, and the bus driver, uh, or Evelyn agreed and gave Brenda money for the bus fare. Okay. So the bus driver then reported that Brenda had gotten on that, uh, gotten on at that hospital and then off, uh, at the stop, just a few blocks from her house on the corner of Avenue I and 31st street. And then Brenda, uh, was in a hurry to get home. 
And then on Monday, July 12th, 1971, less than a month after Colette's disappearance, a crew on scaffolding was painting the Pelican Bridge in, in the in the city they were in. Uh, is that in Houston, Pelican Bridge? Uh, I think it's in Galveston. I'm not really sure. Okay. I've never been to Pelican Bridge. Well, I probably have. I just don't know that it's called that. So while working at around 10 a.m., uh, the workers, they noticed something that was floating in the water uh, off in the distance. They could barely see it, but they were even trying to guess what it was. You know one so. of them said dead body. I don't know, though. I mean, 1971, I feel like we're much likely, more likely to see a corpse in the water now. But I feel like one of them was like, oh, I bet it's a dead body. And then, you know, when it was, they were like, oh, fuck. I did. I wish I wasn't right. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I'm, of course, luckily I've never seen one, but. I'm pretty sure if you saw a dead body floating in the water, even from a distance, you could kind of identify that it wasn't, uh, you know, a pile a of trash or a mannequin. Or a pile of trash. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'd be a mannequin. Who knows? They do. Those things are, are pretty. They are made are to look like bodies. <laughs> yeah, but they're solid. I don't think they would float. Yeah, they're not as they're not as loosey goosey as a corpse. Did you remember moving them around in vans, man? They're so it's so awkward. Yeah, and they're fucking like kind of heavy, and their like arms yeah. fall off and shit. Kind of so, like a dead body. <laughs> kind of yeah, like yeah, a gigantic. They just corpse. start falling off. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, when the water was lapping up against the bridge, uh, they heard a thud along with it. They looked down to see a dead African American girl that was floating in the water. The police were called, and then they retrieved the body. She was uh, fully nude. Her wrists and ankles were bound by long plastic laces. Uh, surprisingly though, one of the officers who showed up recognized the girl. It was the body of 14 year old Brenda Jones. Um, Brenda attended Holy Rosary school, the first African-American Catholic school in the state. Uh, she was said to be responsible and a good student. Uh, that's why when she didn't return home on time, the previous day, her family did begin to worry immediately because it just was out of character for her but dude it was a day later honestly like how when does that happen like the next yeah. day the body turns up is so rare it's, but it tells maybe, you a lot about the, the killer well there. i think i yeah i think he wanted her to be found i think that and i also think that he it might have been one of his first because he did it quick, you know, like he didn't keep the body. He didn't keep the girl for too long, which implies maybe he doesn't have a place to keep her. I've been watching a lot of criminal minds ever since I've been laid off. So yeah, I'm trying maybe. to like get into no, I mean, like a, being a profiler. No, that's a reasonable theory. Cause if he had a place to keep her, why would you not keep her? And well, I mean, he might be a, a process killer, not a product killer. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. He's just in it for like till a certain point, And then he's like, it's no good. To the killing so. is the thing that makes him yeah. shoot. It's always about the chase. The chase is always so much better. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe. So early that Monday afternoon, a police officer came to their house. Evelyn was asked to go down to the morgue to identify the body. Um, the straps on Brenda's sandals had been, uh, the ones used to bind her legs and her wrists together. Um, that's on such a, like an on-the-fly thing, dude. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe he didn't. Like he didn't have, have his own the, instruments or tools. He just was driving by. I was like, "Yep, okay." That's the one. Yeah. Well. Man, what a burden! I, I, and maybe that's why he got rid of her quick because it was just a quick job. Maybe he had been, you know, assaulting women or whatever, and this was the first one. He's like, "I'm gonna kill her." He picked a young girl. I mean, obviously, he's not a very strong guy. Uh, if he was a stronger but, guy, but he might the have first someone one. older. As far as we know, I mean, we don't know who did them. We don't even know if it's more than one guy. I mean, he could be Colette Wilson's killer, which she was taking. Right. You know, I mean, it might not be his first one. It might be. The BAD wasn't they, even around yet, but, so we can't even good look at that information. Right, but the fact, like, you know, not finding Colette's body yet and then finding Brenda's so fast, I mean, that's, does that really scream the same guy? Unless he was keeping both of them and he wanted to get rid of Brenda first. I mean, who who fucking knows? I don't know. It's I, so I don't confusing. Know. I, I don't, that doesn't sound very logical. Yeah. But, this whole thing you is know, confusing. I, so, uh, what did I leave off? Um, yeah, so the straps, the straps, yeah, the straps on her sandals were used to tie her legs and wrists together. But the medical examiner started his autopsy. He noticed something strange. Inside Brenda's mouth was a piece of fabric. And when... The uh, medical examiner pulled it out. It was a pair of women's underwear. 
So his first thought was the killer put these in her mouth to prevent Brenda from screaming. But from the condition, the medical examiner speculated the underwear had been shoved into Brenda's mouth post-mortem. Yeah, and I think that that shows rage from him and also how he feels about women. Uh, it's very degrading to do that, especially right. to a corpse. Yeah, man. So I, I definitely feel that it shows... A child him. corpse. Yeah, a, what is she, 14, 13? 14. Either way, not an adult, not yeah. a consenting adult who wants to have her own underwear in her mouth. This is a child who was murdered by this man. And right. Yeah, dude. Well, it's fucked up. So, after further examination, so with very few bruises and scratches on her body, uh, the the theory from the examiner was that Brent, uh, Brenda's body had been thrown into the water from a pier or a boat. Um, the, the lack of rigor mortis... Uh, determined that she had only been dead for maybe a few hours before her body was discovered. Um, rigor mortis, uh, when your body starts to stiffen up and it happens really fast. So, uh, like extremely fast, like within minutes, like it's Mm. fast, but it it doesn't like, you're not like, like you don't like turn into stone. Like it just starts happening. It takes a long time. But like the jog. Yeah. Like, uh, so the jaw gets stiff, like if like if the mouth is open, like you can't close the mouth. Yeah, isn't like it just within, like there's within, no more blood going to like your muscles and shit, so they just right. like stiff. But it's like up. it's within like like just a matter of minutes. It's so fast. Yeah, it starts, yeah. So um this led to the idea that the killer abducted her on a, on Sunday, kept her alive all night, and then killed her on sunrise on Monday morning. Uh so he determined Brenda had been manually strangled. Uh, and again, I'm going to put on my profiling hat. If she was manually strangled, 14 or not, uh, it's not very easy to strangle someone. You can just ask Dennis Rader and his little baby hands. Um, so I take back what I said about the killer maybe not being a big person. He had to be somewhat of a bigger person uh, because even a frail piece of shit like Rader would have used a rope or something. Like He couldn't do it by hand. He even said, like, I think the multiple killers have said, like, you're, you'll be surprised at how hard it is to strangle someone with just your hands. Like, strangle them to death, not just, like, to the point of passing out. So I definitely right. think that he I has to be somewhat of a bigger how guy. long they're going to be sitting there. Yeah. Like he, it's like he, a like good minute to kill minutes. him. Like, you're going to lo- lose consciousness. It's the same thing like BTK. They would lose consciousness. He thought they were dead. He goes do something else. Comes back. They're fucking moving around again. And it's a whole shit show. Right, but you also have a body that's flailing, scratching, clawing at you. Yeah, they're not just like laying this. there, like letting you know. It's a, it's a thing. It's like a whole. It's a but mess. I mean, like I said, he he probably bound her first, so probably knocked her out, tied her up, and then you know. I just, goes, I mean, do it the book doesn't do. say if there was any like sexual assault or anything, but I can't imagine someone who's clearly a sadist would take a girl, uh, keep her all night, and then not sexually assault her during the night but the book didn't say anything about it so i don't know if there was any sexual assault done to her well at this point there's now two girls that have been victimized one dead the other still missing so we don't know if they're connected because i mean if you think about it theoretically like both teenage girls and i don't know this is just me talking i don't have any experience but both in the galveston area but one is black and one is white Mm -hmm. um like what what do we know about serial killers? I mean, it's it's extremely rare for them to cross racial lines. I think like they don't. Yeah, they usually typically, have a type. Typically, they usually, a white they usually serial stick killer. To what they, yeah, kills yeah. white women. Same black serial killer. Black I don't know. Woman. I mean, today's age, uh, you know, you had that kid in South Carolina, North Carolina, that targeted that black church. Hey, man, I want my serial killers to not be racist. Well, I I don't want my serial killers to be serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> Where are the progressive serial killers? Well, they're not serial killers. They're right. just progressive. Yeah. So, um, you know, and that's just, you know, that's a theory. I wouldn't even say that's true. But it just, it, I don't know. Nothing to me really says well, I mean, it's that the a, same person did this to It's not a theory. It's a, it's a 100% fact that it is extremely rare for them to cross racial lines. I mean, given like Jeffrey Dahmer, one of the yeah, most but before, before Before we said that, I would like to see some data, though. I don't want to just say, yeah, no, they never do it. The data is That's I right. just said it. Like, just trust me. Right. Trust right, right, me, right, dude. Okay. okay. That's my it. source. Trust me. Jeez. All right. So <laughs> next is Shaw and Rhonda Renee Johnson. Uh, they disappeared on August 4th of 1971. The last place they were seen was the Wick Ski School. So they stopped by 
in the evening. And this is Texas, so ski school it was a water ski school. Yeah, it's not so like a cool by... hip like seventies snow ski yeah. stool where school where everybody's wearing like cool clothes and like there's a bully and they have to save the mountain. No. Right, Seventy one. The, the women are wearing one pieces and you know. So they stopped by in the evening, but only stayed there briefly. They left quickly because they were told the ski boat wasn't going to go out because the water was too choppy. Um, and then the neighbors of the ski school said that they saw the girls leave and walk east towards 61st Street, uh, a main thoroughfare that led to uh, Seawall Boulevard and the beach. So mm-hmm. right there on the water, Sean Johnson lived off of 45 and Webster. So when they didn't return home at the expected time, their families became worried and started searching. They, uh, like almost all kidnapping cases, uh, people assume they had just run away. And that was it. Honestly, they weren't found like Brenda. Their families were just left with, just like Colette Wilson's family, just nothing. Like they had no leads. There was no trace of them. There was just, they're just gone. They just vanished. They thought that they had left. They thought that they had ran away to Miami because the surf was better. That's what the that was the conclusion that their friends and family came up with. Right. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Honestly, I never have been, and God forbid I ever am the parent of a missing child, but I really feel that finding a body is better than nothing. Like finding a dead body is better than not finding anything. Right. It's closure. Like yeah. yeah it's, it's shitty, but at least yeah. you know what's going right, on. Right. Like you know where they are. So, well, two months after the Webster girls vanished, another young woman who was 19, uh, her name was Gloria Ann Gonzalez. Gloria was a clerk at Kroger. Uh, And even though Brenda's body was found quickly, Colette, Shaw, Johnson, and now Gloria were all simply missing. So people didn't really talk about Gloria's disappearance very much. But soon after she went missing, so did Debbie and Maria. It's just like boom, boom, boom. Just I mean, it's yeah. this, this is one guy, he's busy. Oh, absolutely. So Debbie and Maria were best friends, even though the two were an unlikely pair. Debbie Ackerman had two older brothers who were Glenn and Wayne. She lived with her parents, uh, German immigrants in a small house on the island. Her father, Joseph, was a janitor, and her mother, Dee, was a supply clerk. Um, And Maria, who didn't grow up on the island like Debbie had, moved to Galveston the previous year. Her father was a, a gynecologist, and her parents were recently divorced. So she landed up down there. At 15, she moved to Galveston with her father. So Maria loved to collect antique glass bottles, uh, and she would just display them in her room. The thing Maria and Debbie had most in common was their love for the water. They loved going to the beach. They loved surfing. They loved visiting the two surf shops on the island and, of course, Wick's ski school. When I first saw that, I was like, oh, shit, there's a connection. But Colette Wilson, Brenda, no, it was none of, there was no connection with the Wick Ski School. It's just a coincidence. It, it was just a popular place he would scout, I guess. Yeah, I mean, of course, he'd go where kids are, where teenagers are going to be, you know. Right. So that shop. Saturday, yeah. So on that Saturday of 1971, Debbie had gotten into an argument with her mother about wanting to go stay at Maria's rather than help her mother clean. Uh, fuck yeah, I'd rather go stay at Maria's. You know her dad's a gynecologist. They're rich. You know she's got the better snacks. You can drink as much soda as you want, and they'll let oh, you, yeah. he'll let you watch an R-rated movie if you ask him nice. Yeah, dude, they got all the Lunchables and the Capri Suns. Yeah, dude. dude, and they don't have the great value Lunchables. They have Lunchable Lunchables, the ones that come with the cookies. Yeah, dude. Snacks at my house were like saltine crackers and sardines. <laughs> like a glass of water. <laughs> yeah, what with ice? <laughs> my house was trashy was enough cool. to where you could eat, just eat cereal at like three in the afternoon and nobody said anything about it. Yeah, no one even noticed. Yeah, it's just like, this is my dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so, dude, uh, my mom, my, my, my mom is amazing. Uh, but, and she's also a great cook. But there were a lot of nights growing up where we'd come home and she, it, 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 it's a fin for yourself night. Yeah, it's like, if there's nothing in there, <laughs> sorry, yeah. you're having sleep for dinner. Yeah, fin for yourself. But no, I ate pretty good under her roof, so I guess she deserved a few nights to say that. But so she got into an argument with her mother about cleaning, and then after she finally got her way, she called home that Monday and asked if she could stay uh, the school holiday with Maria as well. She was given permission, but also strict orders to be home by 3.15 that afternoon, Uh, and that was on November 15th of 1971. Uh, that afternoon, two girls working at a Baskin Robbins. Baskin Robbins is, was around in 1971. Hell yeah, uh, dude. People love that ice cream. Yeah, so two girls that were working there saw Debbie and Maria <laughs> hitchhiking. Uh, 
uh, and then a white man in a white van with a uh, with a peace sticker on the back stopped and picked them up. And then 3.15 came, and it went, and the Ackermans were calling Maria's family looking for Debbie. They told them they had not seen Maria either, and then the last uh, the last the girls were seen was around 9 a.m. Yeah, morning. I'd be pretty mad if you hadn't seen either of our daughters since 9 a.m. and you didn't call me to see if they were at my fucking house. Like, Well, I mean, she probably thought that they were at the, the ski house or at the beach or, you know, maybe maybe they – you know how kids are. They tell their parents they're going to go do something and they go do something different. Yeah, Mom, I'm going to study at Maria's house, and then Maria tells her parents that they're going to – she's going to study at my house, and then – Yeah. Yeah. But no, they're hanging out with two army guys. Yeah. <laughs> so getting by married. Tuesday, yeah, so by Tuesday, the girls were still missing and their parents were getting pretty worried. And then Maria's father notified the Texas Rangers and the, the Ackermans team? called. Exactly. And the Ackermans <laughs> called. They called their sons from college to help search for their sister. I love the, the wording. Day, I love the wording in that as like that's I type that straight from the book where it's like. Maria's father called the Texas Rangers. The Ackerman calls their sons. Like they're like, "Oh, you got the Texas Rangers? I'll show you how to search." And they call their two random ass sons as if it's like competition. <laughs> oh shit, it's funny. It's like you so, got the Texas Rangers. We got two German boys. Well, I, I mean, if you're talking about the Texas Rangers baseball team, I would, I, I might call the two German boys first. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so the next day, Wednesday afternoon, November seventeenth of nineteen seventy one. The call came. Two days after the girls went missing, an elderly man happened upon a body in Turner Bayou uh, while he was fishing. Turner Bayou was on the main uh, mainland near Texas City, uh, which is a short drive north on I-45 from Galveston. Uh, and after police flooded the area, they used a rope to get the body. The first officer on the scene noted that a, uh, what appeared to be bullet wounds, especially one on the right side of the neck, and from the waist down, the body was nude, except just like Brenda Jones, her hands and ankles were bound. That's rough, dude. You're just, like, hanging out fishing. Next thing you know, there's a fucking corpse. You're talking to the cops, and you probably didn't catch anything. And it's just, man, that really... Finding a corpse, depending on dude, who you I used are, to always think about that, because you, you watch on the news, and, like, you know, I used to... I have, I'm lazy these days, but I used to do a lot of, like, trail running and, like, cycling, and, you know, I was always, like... Wondering, man, please so don't. You're always me. somewhere where dead bodies are likely to be done. Right. Like, I was always in like, like secluded. Is there something you need parks. to tell us? <laughs> no, I was because it's such a common thing. It's like, I was when I was always traversing through those areas, I was the guy, like, please don't make me be the guy that finds it. Like, well, hey, I, I just say, so you know, this park. if you're ever out there again like that, a corpse would make a great weight for your rucksack if you want to do some rucking. So Jesus. that's an idea. And then you should dump the body there because you're tired on the way back. It's a terrible joke. Is uh, it? Only because I could have made it better with while offending so many people. <laughs> it would have been very distasteful. <laughs> let's not. Let's let. I think we've offended enough. Yeah. Okay. So the body was then taken to the morgue, but the jewelry on the body was taken to the police station where it was identified by Maria's parents as belonging to Maria. Uh, the coroner estimated that Maria's remains had been in the water for about 36 hours, suggesting that she was murdered sometime late Monday or early Tuesday. And, uh, and someone also reported hearing gunshots that Monday evening near where the body was found. Soon after, every available officer from Galveston County to Texas City was searching for a second body. It only made sense that if Maria was dead, Debbie was also dead. So a Texas City fireman found the body 150 feet downstream from the mall wooden bridge where Maria's body was found. And again, she was nude from the waist down and her wrist and ankles were also bound. And then again, robbery was not the motive because the corpse still had jewelry on it. Officers noticed the gunshot wounds to the upper back and right of the spine. And the medical examiner put forth the theory that Debbie had been killed first, perhaps shot from above as she tried to shield Maria. I think that it's very interesting that the jewelry was still on the body because what's another thing we know about serial killers? They almost always take Trophies. some kind of trophy. Yes, yeah. exactly, a trophy. Yeah. So it's surprising that they didn't take a ring or a necklace or anything like that. Um, but yeah, so now we've got three dead young girls, four still missing, and uh, honestly, I hate to break it to you guys, but things are going to get worse uh, from here on out. 
So at 8 a.m. on the, that same day that Debbie was buried, November 23rd, a man metal, uh, metal detecting through the woods stumbled up uh, upon a, uh, a decapitated and decomposing body. Yeah, now so we see the, a quick change in that M.O. that there's a decapitation now. That's right. Hasn't well, been and the it's, case. There, it's not near water. It's it was it it's was in a the, shallow grave. Yeah, it's so in the woods. It was, it's interesting. It's they put they put effort into burying it. I don't think it's the same guy. Well, it wasn't buried. It was just like in the woods. Like it was, he stumbled. It was just in the woods. But I, but it doesn't make sense because I feel like if the water would be, like a trigger, not a trigger, but like part of his signature, part of his mo, as far as like putting him near water does something for him. You know what I'm saying? I I know what you're saying, but it doesn't make sense to me. Well, yeah, of course I, I don't not, want I'm it to make con- sense. I'm not, it's not supposed to. Right, make but sense. I'm not connecting those dots emotionally. I don't know. I, but like I said, I just don't think. I, I don't think it's the same guy. I think it was it just a dumping ground for a bunch of bodies. Well, look, so far, the only pattern we have is the river. Like, that's it. Well, the only, the only thing we have so well, and far the, and is the, ankle, the, the ankles and The ankles and the wrist being bound. Like, I that's think like Brenda Shaw and or Brenda, I, I think those are connected, the ones that were found bound. Right. But the gunshot wounds and being it's, shot, like, strangled, and, and, the, and, just, and then, the, and then the, the, the being found in the woods. But Brenda and the other two girls, those could just be the killer trying to find what works best for him. You know what I'm saying? Like, with finding guess, out like, how the you... strangling work, the shooting work better. But how do you right? Go but he goes from one end of the yeah, but he goes from one end of the spectrum to the other. He starts out putting zero effort, not taking trophies, getting rid of the body quick and easy, like not doing anything. To uh, uh, now he's putting. Uh, bullets into the body drag putting work into dragging it and relocating it and, and then, then now decapitation? Cut, cutting cutting limbs off like it just yeah i don't know it it's a big a stretch but the the, a, the binding is what sticks the other ones together right right um no, no so intended. yeah so yeah so <laughs> anyway this guy found the body uh it was decapitated he, he went to a neighbor's house and called the police and then after the combing of the area began police found a skull a, a skull. God, I say like just like like a school. Texan. I hate school. Found that uh, a stool sc- up by the school. A, a, a skull. Skull. That, why are you, you say, saying I, like, a skull? Don't say it's a yeah. Like it's I feel like I've got to like I feel like I got to move my mouth like a way that I've never moved it. Skull. A skull. A skull. Skull. <laughs> skull. You really got to emphasize the you. I can't push like skull. That sounds right. No, you're good. I feel like I'm saying skull. Skull. I found a can of skull. Found a can of skull. So this anyway, is a dead person. Let's move on. All jokes aside. <laughs> yeah, this is a corpse. The, the police found this skull. Uh, it was a short, a short distance uh, in the underbrush. So, I mean, it was put forth effort to cover the body. The a little bit. Wore a white. A little yeah, bit so of the, effort. The like the, wore, most, the smallest amount of effort. Well, he was so tired from removing the head. He put it, chopping short. a head off cannot be easy, dude, unless you use like a chainsaw, which is loud, which doesn't work out. Right. Well, and messy. Yeah. So it's all over you. The corpse wore uh, a white pullover and striped slacks and a ring that read "Love" on it. It was assumed that this bo- this was the body of Gloria Ann Gonzalez, who had been missing for almost a month at this point. Jesus Christ. Well, so we got some closure, I guess. So, so far, we'll see. So that that same day, her body was transported to the morgue for autopsy. It was assumed the body had been laid face down in the woods for an extended period of time. The decapitation had been done by the killer, but animals had gotten to the corpse before the discovery. So, it, you know, it's it, there's going to be some alterations and and other. It's going to be hard to figure done. out the cause of death. Right. So the strange thing was, while the body was decomposing, the skull was completely skeletal. As there was no flesh on it at all. Yeah, why would one decay faster than the other? If they're separated, maybe that's why? No, we're going to find out in a minute exactly why. So the medical examiner started with the skull to try and find the cause of death. He noted a series of fractures that had appeared to be done by a powerful blow as if she was bludgeoned to death. Okay? Jeez, dude. So some teeth were found at the scene where the body was, and the medical examiner put them back in the bone to reconstruct the lower jaw. But when he picked up a molar, he suddenly had a problem. It didn't fit. Yeah. So, so the conclusion was met that this tooth had to come from a different body. Yeah. Buddy. So yeah, buddy. 
So the police went back out to the scene to search again. Around 10.30 in the morning, a searcher spotted a pile of bones about 50 yards from the flags. That chair is really loud. Yeah, I know. It's my table. Oh, It's all good. Well, st- that, yeah, no, it's not. No, I'll just be completely still and won't move at all. Th- thank you. <laughs> so there was a ring found on the bone that uh, that said peace. Okay. And Colette Wilson's parents had described the very ring when she went missing. So one girl has love, the other one has a peace ring. But that makes me think, did the killer put them on? Well, no, because Colette's mother, they talked about it. Seems weird that one had love and one had peace. No, that doesn't seem weird. It seems weird that there wasn't a finger missing and he he kept that ring but left it at the other scene. Or it fell out of his pocket, maybe. I don't know, man. It's... I don't know. It's confusing. It's complicated. As far as the tooth, I don't know. So, um, what? So Wilson's parents had described that ring, and then Colette's body, however, was found without a skull. So the search continued after notifying the parents. So now the medical examiner has a decomposing body, another skeleton, and one skull. As it turns out, the skull belongs to Colette, and that is why there was no flesh left on it while there was flesh still on Gloria's body. Because Colette was killed way earlier than Gloria was killed. Yes. So now that the <clears throat> medical examiner knew the skull belonged to Colette Wilson, he knew she died of blunt force trauma. And so he turned to Gloria's body to try and figure out how she died. Uh, it was determined she died from as- asphyxiation with a cotton rope uh, ligature. Yes, sir. So again, we're seeing a change because not only was she decapitated, but we're seeing that killed her with a rope he's not using his hands anymore maybe it's efficiency maybe he's trying to figure out how more ways to be efficient with it maybe so by this point obviously parents are freaking out they're holding their daughters close they're not letting them leave the house unless it's to go to school uh and it was thought by some law enforcement that the killer who killed gloria and colette was not the same killer who killed debbie and maria and now the news was getting national attention as well, so it's crawling with reporters. Each uh, each lead detectives received came up empty, and the whole summer was spent performing polygraph tests on subjects, which, again, led nowhere, came up empty. They had nothing. They were literally, there's, like, no evidence. I mean, you got to think about this was before, like, DNA and all of that kind of shit. I mean, this is, like, they were looking for fucking tire tracks and footprints to try to figure out who if it's the same people. Like, they didn't have M.O.s. They didn't know what an M.O. was or a signature or why they killed. Like the like I said, the B.A.U. wasn't even around yet. It had just became a thing in 1972. So, like, they weren't doing the stuff that they're doing now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's much harder to catch a criminal or a killer back in the 70s. Right, than it but is even now. if it was, there's I don't think there's an M.O. yet, aside from the laces and the bounding of the... Well, we don't even know if it's the same person. Right. That's so. the problem. Well, so as 1971 ends and 1972 picks up uh, in January, the remains of two more girls were found. And again, they were near water and on the banks of an overflow ditch running off of Taylor Bayou. So the two were identified as Sharon Shaw and Rhonda Renee Johnson, the two 14-year-old girls who went missing five months earlier. You know, the water could have to do with the fact, of the, the fact that water washes away quite a bit of evidence. Right, right, but you're that's but in a, in a in a body of water like that, your chances of the body not being found uh, after a, a a specific amount of time that it takes for decomposition to occur. But also, like, they're not putting them in the water; they're near the water. They're not in the water, so no, that theory doesn't check out. Then, no, I don't know. So, police started saying that they believed it to be the work of one guy, of course. And even though every suspect they talked to came up with nothing. They even had some people uh, who confessed to the crimes, but they were just trying to get attention, just like we've seen in the past with other killers oh, yeah. and copycat Every time. guys. So, I, it can't be one guy, dude. The killing, the method, the dumping, the disposal, all that is way it's too and maybe, spread out. Maybe it's, it's a, too Maybe different. it's a couple guys that are working together, but they each have two different tastes. May, that's a possibility. Styles. That's very possible. We saw that with Hillside Stranglers, to, uh, the, to, yeah. the Toolbox Killers. Um, well, this is a lot of them. Yeah. So at one point, a serious suspect was named. Uh, he was a formal mental patient 
former, sorry, former, former mental patient who tried formal, to abduct a formal, he's a tuxedo, but he's, so, he's a formal, he's a formal mental patient. <laughs> Hello. Yes. I who, have uh, schizophrenia. <laughs> yeah, so it was a gentleman with schizophrenia, but he tried <laughs> to abduct a woman after stalking her. And then she tried, she said that the man mentioned the killings and then suggesting that he could be responsible. Mm. But mm. like all the others that led, that lead definitely faded away and no arrests were ever made. Of course not, because uh, if it was, we would be finishing the episode by now. Yeah. So after promising suspect, after another promising suspect came with a hippie with a Volkswagen bus, nice. you know, back then, I mean, that was, you know, that was normal. I think that was a, yeah. Charles Manson so, had one of those. Yeah. So, and, you know, Ted Bundy had a VW bug. So. He did. So with California plates on it, uh, and he was pulled over by the police. He was at uh, he was he asked the police himself about the murders, and after a search, they discovered a rifle in his van. And it turns out he only came to Texas because he heard about the killings on TV, and he intended to solve the crimes and then collect <laughs> thousands of dollars being offered as a reward. Yeah, because whenever I think of hippie, I automatically think of true crime expert. <laughs> right, but Detective. the most. Pr- yeah, so the most promising suspect came with a 24-year-old record driver named Harry Lanham. He and he and a friend of his, who was a Vietnam vet named Anthony Nopa Jr., was arrested in April 1972 for the murder of Linda Faye Sutherland in Pearland. So her body had been found the previous November lying in the weeds under a bridge along County Road 89. The only real similarity between Sutherland's murder and the young girls in Galveston was that they were found in a ditch. Sutherland was fully dressed and had a one leg had one leg of her pantyhose tied around her hands, and the other leg was cinched uh, around her neck. So it was a completely different bound style, and she had been beaten, uh, and shotgun pellet holes covered her shoulder. And again, so, none of the other girls were beaten; they were all just strangled or. And- Shot. And a shotgun, a shotgun wasn't used prior. No, so. it was. They didn't say the caliber, but it was definitely not a spread of shotgun pellets. Right, but uh, as you will find out in episode two, there is some happiness that was found when an arrest was made in connection to the murder of Shaw and Johnson. Yes, and we're gonna get to that little motherfucker on next week's episode. This is gonna be a multiple parter. I'm not sure how many parts yet, but it is a lot. You gotta think thirty bodies. We're talking fucking green river killer terror like green river killer numbers here so we might just have to do like a longer episode two maybe yeah probably i mean this is an hour so we might have to do like an hour and a half maybe to get it all out and uh i would open i would i would rather do that okay yes i know you hate two-part episodes i'm so (laughs) sorry no i just you know if i was listening i don't want to like have to tune in to hear the rest of the story later it's a cliffhanger right but if people can't binge it all at once they're not gonna waste their time they might. Why do you think they don't release seasons of episodes of TV shows until all of it's available? No That's literally exactly how TV shows were done before Netflix. That's literally how it right. was done. That was bef- that was before Netflix, though. People don't live like that anymore, man. Oh, whatever, it's dude. Stone age. I'm living in 1972, man. I'm trying yeah, to catch well. these guys. Anyway, we gave you guys all of our plugs at the beginning of the episode, so now I have nothing to fucking say now. Uh, so the episode. No, but done. everybody. No, but no, everybody's but it's still done, here. And now so... I'm just thrown off. Now it feels weird. No, just say bye. Bye. <laughs> Check you <laughs> on the like Check you on the old flippity flip. Catch you on the flippity flip. Yeah, tune in next week. We'll finish this up. Uh, maybe episode two. Maybe there'll be more than more than two episodes. I don't know. Yeah, we'll find out. Sorry, Johnny. We'll find out. Probably two though. Maybe two. Maybe three. Who knows? Anyway, uh, we will catch you guys on the flippity flip later. Later.